Who's tired of bad news? Don't you just want something that makes you smile, laugh, or feel good? Whether you start your day with this podcast or listen when you need a mood boost, your daily chocolate is a quick, calorie-free way to feel good. In less than 15 minutes, you'll hear funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspirational people. Your host, Patty Deutsch, is bound and determined to counterbalance all the negativity that's out there today. Just give yourself a moment to indulge in these bite-sized stories. It'll be good for you. So my guest today is Mark Phillips. Mark is the opposite of a wine snob. Uh, In fact, he has made an entire career out of making wine fun and easy and enjoyable and taking the intimidation out of it. Mark and I met many years ago in Washington, D.C. when he uh, headed up the Wine Tasting Association. And though you may think that sounds snobby, it was not. It was uh, very much a social organization. We had wine out on the golf course. We had some embassy events where we tasted different wines. And I remember uh, asparagus night, and we paired different wines with different asparagus dishes. It was just fun. But the one story to folks about my wine tasting experience with Mark, he, he actually doesn't even remember. But I had a party one night. I invited 14 people. Each was supposed to bring a bottle of wine under the price tag of $15. And I immediately covered up all the labels. So we were doing this blind tasting. And I saw the wines come in the door, obviously. And we had everything from a wine in Chile to, you know, a wine from Australia to something out of New York, the Finger Lakes region. Even one friend brought Mad Dog, which is a really cheap liquor store kind of wine, right? So I saw what came in. As I covered up all the labels, Mark, who was at the party, said, I'll bet you at the end of the evening, I can tell you what every one of those wines are. And I said, sure, you can tell whether it's a Chardonnay or a Merlot or, and he said, nope, I can tell you what winery they came from. I thought that was impossible. So I said, you're on, you know, what, what do you want if you can do that? And he said, any bottle of wine out of your cellar. So I thought it was a pretty safe bet. Well, at the end of the evening, he actually started naming the wineries. He got 13 out of the 14, and on the 14th one, he said, it's either this winery or this winery, and they were both from Australia. And sure enough, it was one of those. So I capitulated, and I said, all right, let's go down to the cellar. Let's pick a bottle of wine. (laughs) We go down. I I wasn't the most uh, sophisticated wine connoisseur, but I thought I had a pretty nice cellar. He's looking through the bottles, and he said, Patty, there's not a darn thing here worth drinking. <laughs> so <laughs> he now says he would have never said that, but he did. We ended up picking out a, a bottle from Beaulieu Vineyards, and it turned out to be the best wine of the evening. So I felt somewhat vindicated, but that's a taste of, of the magic of Mark Phillips. And I think you'll enjoy this episode. Mark Phillips, thank you so much for joining me on your Daily Chocolate. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And and you are calling in from your RV in Colorado. I love that. Yes. You're like a, a wine taster on the road. That's exactly <laughs> right. I just arrived here in Boulder, Colorado about uh, eight days ago. 
came up here to escape the heat of Scottsdale, Arizona, where my home is, and uh, came up here to teach pickleball, anyone who's interested. Do you have um, the same kind of tips for pickleball that you do for wine tasting? Yes, have both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I play at my level in pickleball, it's rarely fun for me because there's take it so seriously. Yeah. So, uh, and same with wine. If someone's a wine expert, who wants to drink wine with wine experts because they're so snobby oftentimes? Yeah. So uh, the same thing applies probably, yeah. So, I mean, that your your background is that you have been teaching people how to make wine fun and easy. How did that even start? I sold a company at 32 and I was in, well, the company was in Dallas, but I was living in Washington, D.C. And at that time when I sold the company, I had never had wine in my life. I was a beer drinker, pool shooter, dart thrower, you know, bar goer. And, uh, and at the celebratory dinner for selling the company, I had wine for my first time. I was on a date. It was an expensive restaurant, the mansion at Turtle Creek in Dallas, Texas. Oh, sure. I, yeah. And I thought I should have wine. I didn't even know what Chardonnay was. I knew nothing about wine. Oh, I did have Boone's Farm in grade school, <laughs> some church retreats. But other than that, I've never had wine. So I called the sommelier over and said, what wine should I have? He recommended a white wine. And I had that first. And it just was wonderful. It, it, it just, I was overwhelmed at how good it was and, and, and the different feel than beer offered. And then we, we finished the bottle of white and had a bottle of red and the red was even better. And so that was the turning point in May of 1990 when I had my first taste of wine, <laughs> nice wine. And I flew back to D.C. the following day and threw myself into wine and uh, and eventually started the Wine Tasting Association in Washington, D.C. about a few months after that. But I, I did zip off to Europe to travel around France and a little bit in Germany just to kind of learn about wine on my own. Uh, so, yeah. That's uh, how it all began. You went through actual wine training, though, as if you were going to be a sommelier, right? Because no, I, I never did. No, I didn't. I didn't really read any books. I just kind of, you know, when I started the Wine Tasting Association, I looked, well, first I looked for a wine group to join in D.C. And there really were none that would meet frequently or that were fun. I mean, it was a, nothing really happening. So I thought, well, there must be people like me who want to learn about wine. So I'll start a group. And I called the Wine Tasting Association. I made myself the executive director, of course, and then started putting on classes. And I would hire distributor sales reps or maybe winemakers traveling through town to teach classes. And so that's how I learned about wine. Well, it was through the classes. I, I didn't read much about wine. But you've got an incredible nose and palate for wine. I, I remember a party that you came to and you actually, we covered all the labels and you were able to identify where all those wines came from. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a great party trick. Oh. Uh, when I uh, was married uh, to my uh, ex-wife, bless her heart, uh, she knew very little about wine, but in short order, she could do that same thing. How? To understand how that works. It's really not as impressive as it looks. Many people can do that uh, once they understand how to taste wine and what to look for. So. But it is but, cool to do it. But you didn't just identify whether it was a Chardonnay or a Merlot. You actually identified the winery that it came from. Well, I don't know if I did that. That would be almost uh, impossible. Well, that's, but that was I, my memory. 
Well, good. Maybe well, maybe you read through the labels then. Oh yeah, that must be it. There must be That's some trick. trick on there. Yes. No, I. It would be almost impossible for people. It, it would be just a, a crapshoot, really, for some to, or a lucky guess, one in a million to guess the winery. But you certainly can guess the region where it comes from. Yeah, you know, the vintage it was made and stuff like that. That can be done once you understand wine well enough. Man, I've been telling this story all my life. Well, stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me look really good that I. It does. Yeah. It does. There's no way that could have happened. Yeah. Okay. You you've been a hero in in my wine world. Uh, I tell people that story all the time. So what's what's your tip for pairing wine and food? Well, it's tough. That is the most probably the most controversial or less agreed on information about wine because people's palates are so different, not only on wine, but on food. You yeah. Know, who's say, I mean, who like some people hate peanut butter and jelly. Other people love it. It's, it who knows what matches work for anyone. So, uh, I say drink the wine you like yeah. with the food that you like. And it's rare that it'll be a disastrous match. You know, if you have the wine you like and the food and the one ingredient that can always make it all work is butter. So if you have a bite of food and then a piece of bread with butter on it after that bite of food, then any wine you have will taste pretty good because butter complements all wine. Really? So yeah, that's always a way in case the wine and food match that you have in front of you isn't that good. No problem. Don't throw any of the two away. Just get some butter and you'll be set. I love it. I've never tried that. Okay. How do you make buying wine less intimidating? You go to a store and it's like, I mean, how do you even know what you're going to get? It looks good. Maybe it's rated oh. high. Yeah, it, rate, It's expensive. Don't waste your money on expensive wine. That's, that's really a, a mistake, I think, because expensive wines typically have all kinds of other variables involved, like it must age for a while. The wine is made to age. And if you buy an expensive wine and open it too young in its aging process, you're wasting your money because it won't taste any better than a $10 bottle of wine. It will be in the wine jargon closed. It won't be showing all the qualities that will develop over time. And more expensive wines, the wineries don't manipulate the wine in the winemaking process as much as they do inexpensive wine. So if you buy a wine from a certain vintage, the year it was made, and that vintage wasn't very good, the winemakers are not going to manipulate that wine to make it taste better so much so. So they'll get a, you'll be paying, but they don't lower the price, even though it's a bad vintage or an off vintage. So you're paying a premium for not very good wine. So unless you really know what you're doing, uh, buying expensive wine is, is really a waste of time and, and a mistake, I think. But you don't know what wine you're going to get. You know, don't go by the ratings because what wine experts like is rarely what regular wine drinkers like. They look for very different qualities in wine. It's like asking a classical musician what would be a great hip-hop album. <laughs> they're not in the same league at all. You know, okay. not one's better than the other. But why ask someone? Theoretically, the wine salesperson might be somewhat of an expert at least, but why ask them for their advice? Like, what wine do you like? Who cares what they like? Right. So you always want to go in and tell them what you like and be proud of it. If you like white Zinfandel, 
And like Bacht wine, if you like Merlot, whatever it is that some wine experts may frown upon, who cares? That's what you Because you got to tell them that. Be proud of it. Because any wine is good wine if you like it. And don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. And then once you tell them what you like, they can direct you to, you know, maybe a wine that would fit your flavor profile. How do you uh, recommend people figure out sort of the descriptors? So if they're going to go in, you know, my dad loves really sweet wine, but he always asks for the least dry. That doesn't necessarily get him a sweet wine. So how do people come up with, you know, whether it's oaky or buttery or grassy or grapefruity or... A lot of times, if you just tell the wine person what wine in particular, the name of the wine that you like or name, they'll recognize it. They'll know what kind of wine that is and they can find it for you. You know, obviously sweet is opposite of dry. Yeah. Dry is used two different ways in wine as the opposite of sweet. And also the mouthfeel, how wine feels in your mouth. Well, wine that has a lot of acidity or tannins, especially tannin in red wine will feel dry in your mouth. It'll dry out and you'll be smacking your lips, trying to get saliva back in your mouth if it's got a lot of tannin. So if you just really, if you say the name of wines that you like, they'll probably recognize one of them and then they get the idea. Okay. That's a good tip. Okay. Because of descriptors, it's, it's all made up. So much of that is made up by wine writers because what can you say about wine? Really? It's good. And to make it somewhat interesting and maybe justify their salary. Yeah. Uh, and you have to come up with all these unique adjectives about wine. They're just BS, you know? Okay. I mean, of course, there are some flavors and tastes that are associated with certain grape variety or certain wine regions. And yeah, okay. But when they get crazy stuff like cat urine or lychee and all this kind of stuff on there, it's, it's out of control. So Dirty socks. Dirty socks, right? Yes. Saddle leather for real. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Oh my gosh. Well, you had a show on PBS for six years. You've got a book out called Swallow This. Um, first of all, how, how did that PBS show come about? I was speaking on wine. So after about a year, so May of 1990, I had my first wine. And by about the following year, because of all the classes and my travels and drinking a lot of wine, talking with a lot of wine experts and such, I finally had a pretty good handle on wine. And so then I started speaking on wine, kind of uh, just, you know, birthday party, whatever, something. And then as I learned more and more, and especially when I changed my philosophy on wine, because I learned the snobby approach to wine. Yeah. And I was so adamant to have the right Riedel wine glass to have a certain type of wine and the right temperature and all this stuff. I was a real snob and my friends hated me. They didn't want to even hang around me anymore. And, uh, and I was doing a class one or hosting a class on French wine that someone else was speaking at. And the students got upset after the class. They came to me and said, he was really snobby and he talked down to us. We don't like that. It just kind of dawned to me at that moment that, yeah, you know, wine shouldn't be snobby. It, it should be fun. I yeah. love drinking wine. I love the feeling I get when I drink wine. I love the taste of wine. And so then I had to rework my philosophy. And that's when I created what I called the progressive approach to wine to counter the traditional approach to wine, which is what every wine book author has gone by. All the train of a master sommelier or master of wine. Every book is written with the traditional wine approach, which basically is 
there are experts that know wine better than you. And they're going to tell you what the good wines are. The people at Wine Spectator, Robert Parker at the Wine Advocate years ago, they make the ratings and then everyone buys those highly rated wines because they must be good because they said so. And I don't like that top-down philosophy. The progressive approach is all about you, the consumer. It's consumer-centric. Whatever you like, that's good wine. The hell with the expert. So I was giving a talk on wine uh, at a a home, and in the audience was an executive at PBS. Ah. Uh, She thought my approach to wine was unique. Well, it was because I was the first one to really go against her traditional approach. And she approached me after the talk and said, let's do a show on PBS because the current PBS experts we've had on PBS were too snobby. So that's how it happened. Have you ever thought about going into winemaking yourself or investing in a winery? Have you ever done that at all? Have you ever been to a winery and see how much work it is? It's a lot of work. Stressful it is. Oh (laughs) my God. I am lazy. I mean, there's no... There is no desire. No, it's very tough. That's and stressful because you're always at the mercy of the weather. Right. And uh, all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, you're a fancy farmer, right? Yeah. No (laughs) desire to uh, get into that side of the business. You just enjoy drinking it. That's right. Let someone else who's into that take care of that for me. I love it. Well, this has been fun. Before we um, end, and I will put uh, a link uh, to your website, winetasting.org at, at the right. end of, in the show notes, as well as um, a link to your book if people are interested in buying. But we'll end with a few rapid fire questions. Okay. So first thing that comes to mind, right? Right. Red or white? White. Any particular varietal? Well, and that's of course uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> I, I hate to, you know, I know it's rapid fire, but you know, only <laughs> wine experts prefer red over white. You know, right. if it's not red, then why bother? But I've evolved to where, I mean, I still love red, but my favorite uh, of red or white is white bubbly. I love champagne. I love sparkling wine. So that is my go-to almost on a daily basis. A day without bubbly wine is a day not worth living in my book. Oh my goodness. I love it. What's your, where's your favorite place to drink wine? Oh, wow. Probably at home. Okay. Uh, I would say at home just because I can control everything, the music, the temperature. I don't have to get dressed up. You know, it's the most relaxing place you can be. So I would say at home, yeah. All right. Is there a winery that you have not yet visited or a winemaker you have not yet met that you would still like to? Oh, there are a zillion. I don't really care about me and the winemaker so much, but some of these really pretty wineries. I haven't, uh, yeah, I haven't been going to wineries for some time now. Just wait how my life's been going. But uh, yeah, there's plenty of wine regions. I like to go to, you know, I've never been to Spain. I can't believe that. And so, and I've never been to Australia or New Zealand. So clearly, and even the Eastern European, like Croatia and Hungary, Romania, they make wonderful wine that we just don't get that over here. So there are plenty of places I want to see. I was supposed to be on a cruise to Croatia to drink Zinfandel this May, actually coming back yesterday and the cruise line went bankrupt. So that didn't happen. But Okay. National Wine Day is May 25th. What will you be doing to celebrate that? Oh, I didn't know that. So now I'll have to make some great plans. to. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to find some good company and some great wine and celebrate on that day. Yes. After I play pickleball, probably. After pickleball. Uh, yeah, don't celebrate before you play pickleball. 
well, I don't know. You know there's, you know, both in Scottsdale and now up in Scottsdale, we had happy hour pickleball outings all the time where people would bring their drink of choice, not only, not just wine, on the pickleball court. And we drink and play. And it makes it a lot more fun, probably a little more dangerous, you know. But uh, I just found out that some people are doing it up here in Boulder also. So I'll eagerly participate in that. Love it. Well, I do remember that with your wine tasting association in D.C., we had a golf outing and on every hole we had a different wine. Yes. And by about the 10th hole, I couldn't even see yeah. the ball anymore. <laughs> that was a fun time. That was a very popular event. Yeah, many golf, beer and wine tasting, a different hole, a different yeah. beer or wine, whichever track you took. Yeah, yeah. That, was fun. Mm-hmm. that was fun. Okay. And because this is called your daily chocolate, I need to know what your favorite chocolate is. Well, let's start chocolate. Okay. But I don't have, a, I rarely eat chocolate, I have to say. I love chocolate and chocolate, all things chocolate, really. But because of, you know, sweets don't go with wine too well. Oh, so, sacrilege. No, well, chocolate and red wine, for sure. Yeah, right. A lot of people like that. I don't. I don't think that's a, uh, not a good match for me. If you okay. like it, of course, that's perfect. You know, port is really yeah. great. Uh, vintage port with the uh, dark chocolate, uh, but it doesn't work for me. So I, when I have you know dessert, dessert is usually with if I'm having wine, it's used to like cheese. Okay, uh, but rarely chocolate. So I'm sorry that I, although I love chocolate, I just <laughs> I still rarely have it. Perfect. Well, Mark, thanks for joining me uh, here today. Like I said, we'll we'll put links for folks to find you, and um, I wish you safe travels on the road and happy pickleballing. All right. Thanks very much, Patty. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought that was a lot of fun. And I tell you, if Mark brings the same passion to pickleball as he does to wine, I think I'd like to take lessons from him as well. I know one thing, I'm going to try having a piece of butter with my next uh, glass of wine. So anyway, thanks for listening, y'all. We've got another inspirational uh, episode coming up next Monday, so be sure to tune in comment on this if you liked it feel free to share it with your friends and family if you want people to smile and laugh and feel good thanks for joining we'll see you soon Mm -hmm.